this is Chuff Combs. You're listening to Nightmare Junket. Get a job at a sideshow. In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that appreciates the aesthetics and utility of piano wire. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're breaking out our pagers from our Jinko jeans as we delve deeper into the mouth of March Madness as we travel back 20 years to talk the horror classics from our 1999 bracket. But before we get in that, let me remind you we're part of the Boom Howdy Podcast Network. Boom Howdy. You can find all of our past episodes at boomhowdy.com, or the easiest way to listen in is to simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your party like it's 1999 hole. And this is the time to party, and if you're partying online, you can find us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk, and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead, and it is truly important to be following us on the social media at this time of year because... How are you going to play along if you don't have the utilities to use it with? That's right. And we are all about utility here yes. on the podcast, I think. Yes. Especially here in the month of March. And we are celebrating now films that have hit the 20-year mark. 1999. Mm-hmm. The, as the, you... the lasting power. The, the last of the millennium. And that's the other thing to keep in mind is as we were around in 99... Yep. There was some hype and hysteria <laughs> as we were entering into the new millennium. And I think a lot of that kind of seeped into some of the films that we looked at, mm-hmm. the ones that we're going to talk today, the ones that didn't make the list initially, go back to our selection episode to the ones that we gave honorable mention to. Right, right, right. Because, uh, you know, that's the hardest thing is whittling everything down to eight. And in 1999, not only do you have the horrors of what's to come, but you also kind of have this whole trend that we're going to start seeing in that millennia as well as going back to some standards and old favorites. There's a lot of good uh, types of different genres, different good features, different good, like all different stuff in 1999. This was a pleasant rewatch. And I will say this, I never want to talk any smack on previous years, but as much as we love the 80s, 89 was a little bit tough. It was a little anemic, if you will. (laughs) Not even necessarily on the bloodletting, but in terms of quality of what we're seeing in the other years. Mm -hmm. And especially in 1999, we've got, as you mentioned, some really good diverse choice cuts, um, all deserving of our attention. Exactly. And they're not a loser in the bunch. No. And unfortunately, which, um, yeah, which makes it bad because we got to like say, okay, this one's got to go on, but you know, therein lies the game. Indeed. And part of that game is us showing our work. And as all the films going up against each other, we have two criteria here in the first round that we look at. Uh, The first one, of course, being which one of these is closer to your heart, closer to the heart. You really, I, this is now, I'm going to say this. This is what I'm expecting with a little falsetto. Um, I'm, Okay. I'm going to do a little one, too. I'm closer to the heart, closer to the heart. <clears throat> is that a little too much, maybe? I don't know, maybe. Okay, okay. But anyway, no, what? we are asking. <laughs> I was going to stand up. Got to clear up the esophagus. <laughs> but no, we are asking which one of the two films are closer to your heart. Which one put, put, Pulls on the nostalgic tra- the mm-hmm. strings. And then secondly, we pair everything up by bracket topic. So in, in contrast of Closer to the Heart, 
it's going to be you got to use your head so which one is going to be closer you know the better bracket winner the topic champion and we have to show our work exactly that's the important thing because you're like oh no that movie sucked but why you know the movie rocked well why you and sh- by showing our work we've actually had some huge upsets yeah we and have <laughs> yeah we have i've got a couple in here that i'm looking at that my eyes are on that i'm like oh man something could happen that's going to upset some people mm-hmm. and what's funny is here ultimately when something goes forward we're not saying that it's a better film no like objectively subjectively it's just based on the criteria we put out right everybody's favorite is going to be their favorite but at the same time we're showing you why like you said which is our motif so. yeah yeah again um, <laughs> there's so many things we're not saying salem's lot is going to be a better film than the brood go back to 79 the original dream no you don't want to dream that <laughs> But we're going to go top to... No, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, We're going to go top to bottom on the bracket. And our first matchup here is a dastardly one. And the bracket topic is Wicked Women. Mm -hmm. And based on that definition, I think we're going to have some uh, very interesting conversations. Because we have a film that is dour is depressing uh-huh. uh, versus something that it kind of harkens back to old school f- not little hammer-esque if you mm-hmm. will fun i guess i mean i had fun and revisiting both of these films we'll get into it but we are going uh into uh Take- takeshi Mickey's audition mm-hmm. going up against tim burton's sleepy hollow mm-hmm what a weird <laughs> first round matchup. <laughs> Seriously. You can't get more polar opposites it's, than those two. I think a lot of the brackets and the topics, they're like, okay, I can see that. This is this is a boom, boom, boom. And like I said, there's there's a through line here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but which one should we talk about first, Genius? Let's go with audition. Audition? Let's go with audition. I will say this with audition. This is a film that has a reputation. Mm-hmm. This is kind of one of those ultimate I've seen that films. And that wasn't I've seen that for me. Okay, it so, wasn't I've seen that for mm-hmm. you. This was a first time rewatch for me. Yeah. And ultimately, I will say this. I wish I could go in. This is a film I wish I had no previous knowledge of. This is one of those films I envy the people that saw it on the festival circuit when they knew nothing about it. Yeah. Because once everything happens. It takes a turn. It just like, wait, What? Because at first you think, okay, it's this drama about, like, a lonely man looking for a wife. And then, like, you think some some suspicious shit's going to happen. Because it starts getting a little bit, There's like, little things seeds sprinkled. that are planted. But then all of a sudden, boom. Wow. What what the fuck is going on? Holy shit. It's a film that, when rewatching it, more than anything, as horrifying as it is. Yeah. As many weird avenues as it goes down, ultimately it made me feel so sad. Yeah, and we're gonna spoil the shit out of this movie. All oh, of these. course, of course. Well, okay. like, again, and then twenty around... years, twenty years old. I seen it or not? Yeah. Well, everything about that I've seen that we all, even if you haven't seen this movie, you've seen the bits and pieces that fall at the end. Mm-hmm. That's what this film is kind of into. <laughs> the bits and pieces that fall at the end. Quite literally. Yep. <laughs> no, but it's what this film is infamous for. You know, that's what everyone remembers from audition. What the biggest thing I've seen against people online say is that it's for them, it's to get to that, Mm -hmm. it's too boring for them. But for me on this rewatch, I'm not saying I identified with anyone, but I ultimately identify with like the loneliness that people have. Absolutely. Whether it's through um, Asami or I'm going to kill the the, the pronunciations here. But on both of the characters, you know, just the profound sadness that Mm -hmm. both of them feel. 
it just it got me. They're it got both me this. lonely and sad, and well, one's broken, the other one is extremely broken, and just terrible shit happened to him. But it's just like you don't expect that ride because you think it's like not a rom com, but like a dramatic. Because it is about like a man looking for love, and he's ready to like move on and have a good time, and. We talked on the Pet Cemetery episode where, like, some things, like, affect you more when you're, um, like, a parent. Mm-hmm. Like, Pet Cemetery, if you're a parent, the whole gauge scene's fucked up. But this one, I think, affects you more if you're going into the dating world. Because this one is fucking scary out there. Because that's, that's a legit, I mean, not, like, legitimate fears that can happen. But, like, you know, anybody going out on a date, you don't know what you're getting into. Next thing you know, you're getting fucking shackled down and, like, got piano wire all over the place. So is that the deal breaker for you? That's the deal. That is absolutely the deal you're, breaker. You're good with the shunting. Right, right. Because the shunting, I'm going out fine. The shunting is like, don't dream. It's, it's great. But, like, that, because, like... And the sad thing about it is he truly loved her. You know what I'm saying? I it's And this is where you get into the really weird shades of gray because you even have with him this idealized version of a female. She should be a little bit more submissive, although he did want her to have like some sort of like utility or characteristic. I again, the whole nefarious end on his end, it really stuck mm-hmm. out to me a little bit more because it was showed, I think, more of kind of a power dynamic, especially gender wise. Um, manipulation and so forth and even 20 years later we, we talked a it's little... still yeah it's still i mean nobody is clean in this oh, movie. no not at all now granted does anyone deserve what they get in the film absolutely no, not no but it also shows kind of the cycle of violence and abuse like yeah. there are some really heady things going on in a and this is a horror film for, for, for just through and through and don't let the first you know 47 minutes or so no, confuse you because it gets crazy weird and like insane and and it leaves you guessing what's real or what's not because there was a few times where and here's the thing for a two-hour movie it feels a long time it's a long movie because then you think it's over and nope it's not and you're like okay if this is the ending that it stays with I'm okay with that because, like, I'm, I'm going to get him a spoiler. Of course. So there's that, that ending in the middle where he's, it's like not the happy ending, but like, oh, okay, it's a dream and everything's cool, you mm-hmm. know? And he was like, holy shit. He woke up after, like, because that's a terrible fucking nightmare. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I can, I can buy that happy ending credits. But then when you're like, no. Wait a minute. No, it's still going on. Holy shit. And so then that's when I'm like, ah. Oh, it's just a, it's rough. Well, and I think ultimately the kind of the fascination that a lot of people have with Mike is he's just so prolific and he's, you know, produced so many different genre films, mm-hmm. genre mismatches. And this is one truly that you could actually if you threw in a, a normie on this film mm-hmm. again, for the first two thirds of the film beyond some of that om- ominous imagery. Right. Where you get again that the whole thing of her just sitting there silent in the darkened room with that. The ambiguous ba- burlap sack. The bag, and then like the phone rings, and she just has this <laughs> wicked smile on her face. Oh. That was intense and terrifying. Oh. I was like, oh, some ill shit's about to go down. And then every time that fucking bag gave me jump scares, it was good jump scares because it rolled unnaturally. I was waiting for the thing from, uh, <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. It was either going to be the, the zombie from fucking Return of the Living Dead, the one that scurries, or like Chicken from Digging Up the Marrow. Just oh. I expected something big and gnarly like that, but what I got was holy shit, even worse. And did she was that yak 
that she was feeding. That would have been uh, vomit in some countries, gruel in others, yeah. but yet needless, oh. you don't want to be Pre- lapping it up. Pre-chewed Charlie's. <laughs> but no. Oh, that's oof. And then ultimately everything building up to the finale. What I think what really works with audition is number one, it's not as graphic as you think it is. Right. It, it's it's pretty tame with not really but not it's not overtly it's it's not taking a hammer to you but it is again the piano wire kind of subtlety it's not hostile it's no, oh like, no it's no it's like just there's a lot of scenes at the end that are torture like but it's done like theater of the mind style you know this so. is one of those that's all in the sound design and that when she's yeah expressing herself when she's truly happy because there's that really weird connection i think with sex and violence that you ultimately see and like i said that's ultimately the the so what's so sad with that film and that's what i like i said when i watched it this time it's horrific you again there's that whole dating parameter and also you bring your own baggage into the film because I did also feel like the dangers of dating, so to speak. But like I said, I also saw in just like two broken, sad people Yeah, and how you just happen to cross paths and <sighs> piano wire or not. It's one that really gets under your skin. But like I said, it was a good rewatch for me. It was a great first watch. Oh. This was, did it, now, did it live up to the expectations? You see, okay, here's the thing. No, okay. it didn't because when you're like audition, you're like, Oh, that's fucking gory as shit, and you're going to see some torture porn and shit like that, you know? And I'm like, oh, how bad is it going to get? I mean, are we going to get, like, you know, Lost Highway weird shit, you know? But, like... <laughs> oh, if we... If we... David Lynch's audition. <laughs> and come on, think about it. I just, mean, if, if, if anybody would do it, it, it would be... We need more piano wire! <laughs> let's fuck up more shit! Let's... <laughs> let's make an app! <laughs> yeah, that would... It would work, it phone. would work. But uh, no, so it's just kind of like, boo. It, it, it's it's not. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Okay, because it's just people like, oh, it's like, but it is. It's intensely bad. It's but it's that buildup, and you're like, what the fuck? Because it a lot of it comes out of nowhere. And you know what? What really got me? <laughs> I don't know why it just pissed me off and made me mad at her. Is when she killed the uh, spoiler. Oh, the yeah, yeah the when she killed the dog. I was yeah. like, man. That's a surefire way to, to kind of yeah, you're make evil. sure you have no sympathy no, with your bad guy. It's exactly. I know you had some terrible shit, but you don't go around killing dogs and, and doing that. So. It's 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 kind of an easy crutch, but <clears throat> with the way Mickey does it, it still works for me. Yeah, the whole movie was effective. No, it's it, like I said, it was one that truly horrific, but one now, especially being older, being more lonely. It's still it's, prescient. Yeah, I mean, very like, much so. You, it's, you just never know what life is like a box of chocolate. Oh, good Lord. That's well. Well, uh, actually, if you do use piano wire, you can kind of peer into it and see what's in it. Poor stump. Every, uh, Jesus Christ. That's, I, if I could edit it out, I would. I really would. That's a boo urn. Totally a boo urn. So going from the horrors of audition, let's go into the horrors of, again, going into the new millennium mm-hmm. as they were about to go into the 19th century, Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. This is one I did see in the theater. Me too. I Thoroughly enjoyed it in the theater, and I really enjoyed it today. And I'm going to say a little Shutter shout out because again, Into the Mouth of March Madness is unofficially brought to you by Shutter. <laughs> Shutter shout out. I rewatched it on Shutter as well, and 
it was more pleasant. But the thing that I forgot about in this rewatch is how much of a horror film it truly is. It's a it's a horror movie. There's decapitations and blood. And Jeffrey wh- Jones. <laughs> the horror. The diddler horror. And <laughs> spoiler alert, this is not the first time Jeffrey Jones is going to appear in this in the in the madness and this year. I know. <laughs> he is. Oh, we'll get in there. He's in many 42nd Street theaters. Fucking diddler. Anyway, not even that. That's not even that. That's not even that. Going back to sleep, this is one that is populated with English character actors Mm -hmm. and why I think it does have truly a Hammer-esque feel. Well, you got fucking Christopher Lee being a big old mean judge. He's like the fucking Witchfinder General at the very beginning. You're like, holy shit, it's Christopher Lee sending Johnny Depp's Ichabod Craig, which I fucking enjoyed, to like Sleepy Hollow after you just had this scary ass scene at the beginning with the man getting his head cut off and a la gothic horror you know i really enjoyed that everything old is new again to bring something like 200 years dope and i kind of grew up on the disney animated feature of sleepy hollow the ichabod crane every (laughs) all of us knew it yeah so to see it up and how they presented it up on the big screen live action i really enjoyed it um like i said but it was the elements of horror that really stuck out to me on this watch and like you said a lot of it comes about the fact that there's so many beheadings in this film yes it's violent beheadings crazy beheadings some really imaginative violence as well and also the creature you know my favorite realization the fact that christopher walken is in this movie He's the fucking main headless horseman. Ah, 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 more, more heads and cowbell. Just going off, being all scary with his filed down teeth. I didn't think Christopher Walken could get scarier until I saw that movie. And even to this day, I'm like, holy shit. You know, the, the headless horseman himself was a very imposing figure and i believe it was choreographed by bray park ray park played the other horseman yep because he's fucking rad but he was a very important and he moved well and he fought well and he was scary but then you add the visage of christopher walken with filed down teeth which when that first- that's fucking nightmare fuel his his horseman was so much fun because you could tell he enjoyed he knew what kind of film he was in <laughs> but it does straddle that balance though there's a little bit of humor involved and also um christina ricci as a man alive i'll tell you what christina ricci just gets finer and with age man she is she's beautiful i she's a treat but it's go. always good. It's always good seeing her do work, especially with Tim Burton, and mm-hmm. especially when she gets to play her wheelhouse, which is like the dark, creepy girl. Because everybody loves a dark, creepy girl. Do me a solid. Pull up a Sleepy Hollow there, because I want to make sure we get to our bracket topic here. But let's go ahead and only Miranda one of these, Richardson. There it is, Miranda Richardson. Richardson and, and Thank you. Good, yeah, and and Lisa Marie. It was a really good cast, Ooh. and it was. I think. I think the reason why this movie works so well, especially for me, because everybody played in their wheelhouse. You know, this is like, hey, I'm Tim Burton and I got a creepy sandbox. You creepy kids want to come get creepy and play? And everybody's like, fuck yeah. It'd be more, sure. Yeah, let's get creepy. That's fine. They got to be a little bit more morose then. They right? Don't, anyone that shows enthusiasm are like poser. No, whatever, dude. I'm like, yeah, let's get scary. You know? <laughs> so we're going to put them through the ringer here. We're going to compare Audition and Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. Um, which of the two initially are closer to the heart? Which one has a more nostalgic feel for you? Do you want to go with this one first, Genius? Yeah. Um, this is a really good uh, first time watch for Audition. 
But like I said, I already kind of knew what I was going for. I was pleasantly surprised, mm-hmm. but it wasn't what I was thinking it was going to be. However, I remember seeing Sleepy Hollow in the theater and always being like, this movie is cool. So I'm going to go with Sleepy Hollow for Closer to the Heart. And this is the issue. And this is why I think it's interesting because, again, I did see Sleepy Hollow in the theater. I think I probably saw it multiple times. At that, that point in my life, I was going to the theater many times. Multiple times by myself, I might add, which there's nothing wrong with that at all. But also just the initial effect of revisiting it and that feeling not necessarily of nostalgia, but appreciation. And this is something that, like I said, with Sleepy Hollow, I can definitely go and probably watch it more often. Mm -hmm. And Audition is one of those that not necessarily is a preparation film, but it's one I may not seek out as much and as often. But I think it's going to be sweeter for me based on, as you mentioned, it kind of recontextualizes the older you get, the more experiences you have. And based on that, I have got to go with audition on that. Yeah. Yeah. Now we've exposed our hearts here. Let's go ahead and expose the brain as well. Uh, Wicked women Mm -hmm. is our bracket topic. So genius show your work. Which of the two features a more wicked woman? Okay. So even though Miranda Richardson is the one that is pulling all the strings and Mm -hmm. stuff, I can stay away from like evil witches, okay? But especially going out into the dating world, that's scary in itself and like that that can happen. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it doesn't have to even be have a tragic backstory. Maybe somebody's just crazy. So that's scary to me. So I'm going to go with audition for wicked women cuz like I was even like you're wonderful, you know? I was looking like, she, she's sweet, you know, she fell under the spell. Once again, everybody likes a dark, spooky girl, and she was kind of dark and spooky, even right? Even when all the references are even like, no, there's something right? off there's here. Right, there's red flags, and I'm like, you know what, that's cool, I'm willing to roll the dice, because she's not a, not a deal not breaker. Not a deal breaker until the deal is broken, you know what I'm saying? With the, along with the ankles and shit. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> until I hear, I'm okay, you know? So, but at the same time, once that comes like oh shit you know if someone's doing witchcraft and shit i'm like okay what you doing like i'm gonna uh, kill my enemies and stuff i'm like with magic and shit cool i want to see you know what i'm saying so like to me auditions a more wicked woman that works that works and (laughs) ultimately for me i had to look at their motivations Uh uh-huh and both of them are kind of fueled by love-esque yeah you will yeah also revenge and that's ultimately, I think, with Audition, it is more tragic. Um, with with Sleepy Hollow, it is tragic as well because it goes into the whole family lineage thing. Um, and I want to be cautious on how I label something as wicked. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, like I said, I think the most important thing that I came up with with Audition was that whole cycle of violence and abuse thing. Um, so I'm, And again, I'm not saying that she is, you know... She can wipe her hands clean and no. not at all, but it's, it's going into something a little bit deeper. And that's what affected me a little bit more because it's not necessarily the wicked, the wickedness of the woman, but the wickedness of the cycle that we see. And that's why for me, it's, it, it has to go with audition. Nice. And by a count of three to one, uh, audition is putting sleepy hollow in a bag <laughs> and advancing into the round of the scream 16 cutting off heads oh, and tongues and, and tongues and, and everything in between yeah. there. Now from wicked women, to what I definitely saw, we saw so much more in the '90s and the in the 2000s were remakes. Mm-hmm. Grease used to be the word; remake was now the word. Yeah, just coming out all over the place. There was even there's some of the uh, studios were just remake mu- machines, like Platinum Dunes and all that. 
And in 99, we have two particular remakes here. Mm-hmm. And this is also in the weird where studios kind of get the same thing. Yeah. The, the Armageddon deep impact effect. The volcano versus Dante's Peak. So many weird times this happens. And it happened indeed in 1999. And we have two haunted remakes mm-hmm. as our bracket. And we have the haunting going up against the house on Haunted Hill. Yes. Which one of these shall we start with, Genius McGee? You choose. We're just going to go top to bottom here. So according to the bracket, we're going to start with The Haunting. Okay. And I, again, we talk about baggage that we bring into each viewing. Mm-hmm. Recently having seen the original Haunting and seen it on the big screen. And we talk about kind of the communal experience a lot on the podcast. And there were so many of us seeing it for the first time. And it was a first time viewing for me uh-huh. with the original. And so seeing it, seeing how influential it was on many of the people that we have grown to appreciate, Sam Raimi himself included, I came to the remake because I saw the remake in the theater. Yeah. And I don't remember it. And I watched the remake of The Haunting by Jean de Bont probably a week ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember it. Really? And I think that's the the thing that I, the biggest sin on this film is I think the director, we had the wrong director for the wrong remake. Yeah. I just don't think it really matched up for me. Huh. I, 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 Why? Did it just not have the spirit of the original? I think with what, The what? Haunting, you need to inspire dread. Mm-hmm. And I was not scared at all during that film. Really? During the remake. At all. At all. Because Jean de Bont, I think he, he needs to be more kinetic. Uh-huh. Like the house on Haunted Hill, I right. think would have been a better fit for him. Right. More speed than... Than yeah. what we got here, because the the haunting the the haunting is supposed to be more of a slow meditative take, mm-hmm. and as good as the cast is, because don't get me wrong, Liam Neeson's great, uh, Owen Wilson, but and Catherine Zeta Jones, god damn, and then just professional professional sad sack Lily Taylor, yes, you know, <laughs> yes she is, yes she that is. might be indie, a bar- indie darling sad sack, and it might be a borrowed term, I apologize, but, but that's that's no, what yeah. she does. Okay, I'm gonna know? go almost exact opposite of you. Okay. Okay. So I never seen the original haunting. Okay. It's one of those I've seen that. I mean, I know enough of it to like, yeah, okay, the haunting. Cool. Sure. Right. <clears throat> and I remember seeing the haunting in the theater and saying, yeah, it was cool, but like, whatever. It wasn't like crazy good. But this on this rewatch, I thoroughly enjoyed the shit out of really? it. Really? I thought the atmosphere was fantastic. I was there was parts where I was genuinely creeped out. Now there was part where like just the, the movement of the subtle eyes. I think when the subtle when he did it subtle was great. All the little creepy kids. The the, the, the sound atmosphere, no. the whole design of it. I thought the house was beautiful and scary. Set and design was great. It was it just it it just made me I like I want to stay in that house but only one night. You know, I'm not going to like fucking do a sleep study there. I really enjoyed the characters. I really felt sad for uh, Lily Taylor and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Ugh. And then Owen Wilson just coming up and wowing up the place. You know? Wow. 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 There's ghosts. Wow. Well, and I think the fault of the film, you have Bruce Dern. As the literal gatekeeper, the cantankerous gatekeeper, and he's only in your film for like a minute, man. That's a that's a crime against cinema. It is a crime against cinema, but it was almost like like he was the uh, spice that made everything nice, you know. Sure, but sure. here's the thing. Now, I, don't get me wrong. This movie was kind of bullshit at times too. I think there was a lot of overuse of the CGI when they should have said subtle when they went too big. I think that's also what you're saying, Jan DeBont. But I think he did a serviceable ghost story especially when not having a frame of reference 
to that until the end. However, when he did, when the main ghost comes out, he's like, that was kind of silly. But when he made the whole uh, room look like a big face, right? And he used the the when he because you, you ever like look into like say for example you got like a wooden door or something or an old or your house has got like a one of those like wooden things where you can still see the grain mm-hmm. and every now and then you can see faces in the grain or of something course. like that. He used that well to the point where I was like, ooh, that's creepy. You- when he was doing stuff, and then when he made the whole thing with the eyeballs, mm-hmm. I. I was thoroughly affected. I was like, that's fucking rad. But then he goes and does something stupid. And I was like, okay, cool. But I still like the old one better. I mean, not the old, not sure. The, the one we just saw, the last sure. scene scare better. So it was a weird balance. But I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. I, I think I appreciated the cast more than anything. Wow. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Now I'm sitting there watching with Owen, my cat named after Owen Wilson. And I'm like, look, there you are. Meow. Meow. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of like Owen Wilsonception. Wowception. Well, it's funny because it's very rare do you find us really disagreeing on a lot of things. So that's kind of an niche. So we'll, we'll, we'll hold that for now. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and then transition over to another remake. And one of the original is an I've seen that. Mm-hmm. With Vincent Price, but the original House on Haunted Hill I haven't seen, but the remake I did see in the theater. Same here, both with the I've seen that and the theater. Really? Okay, yeah. good. Now, that being said, this is the one I had more fun on with mm-hmm. this rewatch. I remember bits and pieces. I remember set pieces from the House on Haunted Hill. Now, I'm not going to say that they were trying to make the same kind of film, because I think this one is more suited to uh, John DeBond style. Mm-hmm. It's a little more kinetic. Give me Jeffrey Rush any day over right? Liam Neeson. Right? Jeffrey Rush is fantastic. And Famke Jansen. And uh, Jeffrey Combs coming out of nowhere. That's another little thing, too. Is it the is, is uh, Jeffrey Combs the Bruce Dern, like, on that same hierarchy? There we go. There we of, go. Again, the subtle spice that makes everything nice. But he's the creepy spice. He just and makes I, things weird. I will, well, I will say, you know, Corky Romano himself doesn't... I don't know. I just had more fun with this film. Mm-hmm. Even the fact that Spike shows up, and the reason... I went to see this in the theaters originally because I knew James Marsden was in the film <laughs> and he only shows up for that initial roller coaster scene. Right. Like, Damn it. I remember seeing this theater and I remember really thoroughly enjoying it, especially the um, the one takeaway that I do have, the one that sticks out of my memory even before the rewatch was the elevator roller coaster scene. And I was thinking that would be That's fucking you would- dope. I would love to go do that because even at the point when I went to the Tower of Terror down at uh, Disney, Disney World, World, I was expecting something like that and I was a little disappointed. <laughs> But other than that, you know how you said um, that you don't remember anything else from The The Haunting? I don't remember anything else from this movie. And I remember thoroughly enjoying it in the movie theater, but when I watched upon this rewatch, it was like kind of tarnished for me. Interesting. So like, I don't know what it was. I think, one, I remember being pissed off. It originally in the theater saying, man, how's Chris Kattan going to come back from the dead and save the day? That's so, stupid. Right. Right. And so, and then even, oh, to, yeah, yeah. and then even today at the, at the, the rewatch, I was like, man, how's Chris Kattan going to come back from the dead and save the day? That's stupid. You know, I thought we got so, comeuppance, but no, we didn't. <laughs> so like, I like the, I like the interplay between uh, Jeffrey Rush and Famke Jansen because it was, it was good. You could tell they both hated to, they loved to hate each other. Again, they knew what kind of film they were in. Right. And but those were the only two really standout characters. The rest were just I was waiting for them to die in weird ways. Spotter. Yeah. And like the 
the sound the music didn't work for me I will say, yeah, the music. I, but this also brings in that whole that that shaky the kind shake, of thing, yeah, which I think can be overused. Yeah, uh, it's one of those again could be a subtle spice, but I do. And also, I will say this: both of the films do have some wonky CGI. Yeah, oh because yeah. Because at this point oh, yeah. in the nineties, trying it's in the yeah, that's both both of them. Both of them have bad CGI. It, it, and again, I'm not going to say it took that, me out of either yeah, of them, but, but yeah. I think it could have been serviced with a little bit more practical. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, now, and absolutely, now, especially with those caliber of movies because these were big theatrical releases. Mm-hmm. So, like you know, there, you know, there's money behind them, right? So the kids love the scary movies. Well, and that's the other thing too is you are remaking some films that were in the 50s and 60s, yeah, and trying to put in those modern sensibilities, which is again, I think, one of the things that you have to with a remake, but. Whether or not it was good or not, we're going to see because we're going to put the haunting and the house on Haunted Hill up against each other here. Mm-hmm. Um, let us start here. Which one of these are closer to your heart, Genius McGee, the haunting or the house on Haunted Hill? See, that's a hard one because I saw both these in the movie theaters and I was both kind of let down with both of them, you know? <laughs> but I think I was let down. <laughs> let, me, let me put this this way I think I was let down less with the haunting. I remember seeing that was a pretty good story, and I remember still being creeped out by that. But like, yeah, thirteen. You know what? I, you know what? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna no, 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 no. No, I'm gonna take that back. I'm gonna take that back because you know what? That fucking roller coaster scene was fucking awesome, and that's the one thing I don't remember going back. I don't remember much from the haunting, but except right. being disappointed, and I remember being a little disappointed in, in House on Haunted Hill, but. There's some fucking cool get set. Your, get yeah, there. that elevator scene. Because also, I think about that shit too. You know, kind of like the Final Destination movies. Sure. Like that shit can happen, and that was scary. <laughs> and so I re- always remembered that. So I'm gonna go with House on Haunted Hill for wow. close to the heart. Wow! Wow! Imagine that. Wow! This is a tough one for me because I was originally gonna say based on the rewatch, the House on Haunted Hill. But I'm actually going to go with The Haunting because it made me want to go rewatch the original mm-hmm. versus that. So to me, that is the more stronger nostalgic pull for me. So I'm going to go The the Haunting for my Closer to the Heart, which lead you, leads us to the bracket topic, which is Haunted Remake. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, and this is going to be tough for us because I think we kind of cheated and messed up. We, sh- we should have probably watched that original house on Haunted Yeah, Hill. probably. And, and, and The Haunting. <laughs> because, but, but what was the ultimate? I will say this. The way I'm going to gauge it is which of the ones that I have a better time with because they are a remake. And mm-hmm. which one? Like I said, I had a better time with The House on Haunted Hill. But ultimately, I think the, I, the purpose of a remake is maybe to make you seek out the original. Mm-hmm. And, ooh, I will say this. I'm going to have to go with, uh, I need to go see the original House on Haunted Hill so I can put it up against. So for Haunted Remake, for its purpose in and of itself, I'm going to go with a House on Haunted Hill because I need just to go rewatch the original. Nice. I'm looking in, since I don't haven't seen either of them, I'm going with the word haunted. I would rather stay in the house in The Haunting than the house on Haunted Hill because I'm never going to fuck with the sanitarian that's crazy and like everybody died in there. That's... But I'm going to stay with Captain Zeta Jones in a spooky mansion. So I'm going to go with The Haunting because... That was a good. I was more. I was more scared in the haunting than I was in House on Haunted Hill. And at the end of the day, a horror movie should give you a good scare. And so that's why I'm going to go with Haunted. And we have haunting, here haunting. 
a haunting tie. Oh, shit. We have two votes apiece for the haunting and two for the house on Haunted Hill. So let's do a little bit of a tiebreaker here. Okay. Which of the two has more 90s flair? Oh. Oh. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm looking at Owen Wilson and his kind of, and I will say the We Hate Movies, the, the Gap sweaters he's wearing throughout, mm-hmm. they're pretty, pretty eye. If, okay, if I was going to say this is indicative of horror in the 90s, I would have to go with Haunted Hill. Because I think, I think DeBont tried to make an old school throwback. Sure. And I think he did great. I think he made a good old school haunted house movie with genuinely scares and tears. But if I'm saying this is indicative to 1999 with the style, with the music, with, yeah. the, with the shaky cam. What, what are the kids into? Yes. This is the horror of 99. And that's that's the reason I'm going to say the same thing as well is I do think it is something that you could show the kids and at least it might grab their attention a little bit more mm-hmm. than something that's a little bit more slow, methodic, methodical. Right, right. And at this point, the house on Haunted Hill is going to foreclose on the haunting and advance into the round of the Scream 16. Very nice work there, mm-hmm. which leads us to one of our favorite bracket topics and one that we see scattered throughout if we're lucky. Uh-huh. But the famous old good old fashioned creature feature. Love a good old school creature feature. And these two also, we kind of had to argue for one in admission on this, but ultimately they were two fun rewatches. We have Lake Placid going up against the mummy. Mm-hmm. Which shall we start with there, Genius McGee? Let's do Lake Placid. Let's just go down the bracket. Let's do it. Start us off with this one. I remember seeing in the theater and not getting all the jokes, but remember having a good fucking time. And upon this rewatch, I still had a good fucking time. I thought the creature looked cool with Stan Winston, but I think it was the interplay and the little, some of the talking points between uh, the characters. Although she was kind of insufferable at times, you know, at the very oh. beginning. But like I, I thought the characters were all quirky and fun, um, and you can't go wrong with a filthy talking Betty White. I'm not gonna say it's low hanging fruit, but sometimes that's delicious. Yeah, low hanging fruit. I the ca- the chemistry of the cast I think works because they are like you said they're very quirky, and that's the one thing you need with certain characters in a film like this, especially when they're going up against a giant crocodile. Right. Um, two of them, in fact, as it as it always turns out. But what I like about this is the fact that it's it's Sean Cunningham and Mm -hmm. that man. You want to talk about horror pedigree, like responsible for Steve Miner. No, 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 it it is actually Sean Cunningham, isn't it? No, it's Steve Miner. It is Steve Miner. Oh, well, that is the Friday the 13th. Yeah, yeah, pedigree as well. Good (laughs) Lord. I'm thinking of Deep Star Six again. Right, right, right. Crossing up our creature features. (laughs) That's the problem. (laughs) Exactly. 80s and 90s. They're everywhere. No, No, Steve Miner. Yeah. And again, that Friday the 13th pedigree Mm -hmm. as well. Now, the um, Lake Placid is one of those that I'm. I, the, one of the reasons I like it so much is in today's day and age with these two and a half hour long movies, it's under 90 minutes. Yeah. That in and of itself, hats off to you. Yeah. But also, uh, we don't get a lot of the creature, though, is my main complaint with this. I needed more of the the, the, the creature from Lake Placid. Yeah. And he's kind of, for the most part, he's not necessarily provoked, mm-hmm. but he's not necessarily all the the main antagonist for the most part. I don't know. He's still pretty the bad guy. I don't know. Who do you think Had, the main antagonist is? The people. The people just disturbing really? everyone, disturbing Betty White, disturbing her feeding with the cows, but, you know. But there's... yeah, she's feeding the cows, but at the same time, it's still a deadly creature. It's not just her lake. It wasn't supposed to be there. You know what? You wouldn't have gone to that lake, would you? No, fucking no, I wouldn't have so gone to that fine. lake. I'd be, be fine, fine, too. But at the same time, I have friends who 
want to go in that lake. You know what I'm saying? Lake Placid is Lake Placid. You can't have a fucking crocodile eating people. But it's an ultimate kind of film, though, that just adds to the legacy of why you will not right? go into a lake. But it's also funny and smart. And when I mean like smart, it's like, of course, David E. Kelly, who all over it's- TV, right? Just like throw a dart at something and Allie David McBeal it. Yep. So it's already got those goofy characters. I mean, you got like Bill Pullman and I've always liked Oliver Platt's character. If you do add Oliver Platt in anything, he much like a good character actor is that subtle spice. And then Brendan Gleeson. I know who he is now and probably rewatch him like, oh, that's Brendan Gleeson. I didn't know who the fuck that he's, was he's, back in the he's day. A, he's a British, that guy. Right, right. And he's always surly. Oh no, is he British or Irish? He's I'm Irish, sure. I Irish, think. There Irish. There we go. But like, he's always surly and just angry and he played an angry cop quite well quite well like i said at first i was like i was like shut up bridget fonda i hate your guts but then i got like grown to like her because i understood i understood i right when i was right when she's like oh god what am i doing here i'm like okay unfortunately that would be me she's like why am i here I got no business here. Why did you? Well, you're the expert. Like someday if I'm going out like, oh, you're the horror club. You're the right. horror guy. We got this sighting of fucking this lake monster. Come on. We need you. Like, why the fuck am I here? You know, <laughs> I've got no business here. I just talk about do on a podcast. I'm not like a Nessie expert. We're not Okie Pinocchie. Your self-awareness will not save you in this <laughs> environment. Fucking, like, I'm not going to go out in the swamp and get like diddled by the skunk ape. You know, fuck all that noise. So like yeah, <laughs> how did this but happen? How I don't did know. This it's Lake Placid. It's- but like, I it's 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 fun. It's a fun movie. But I think like you said, the monster. Here's the thing. I think the monster. I would use like a little more monster, but just a little bit because I think it tried to do Jaws. Well, and again, Jaws though the reason we didn't see enough of the shark, and again, why it definitely works, most definitely. But that's a film from the seventies yeah. where you got more of a it's, Jaws is a film. This is a creature feature from the nineties. I need I need more carnage for the yeah. most part is what I think I needed. Well, see, I yeah, I I could use more people getting eaten and stuff, but and I will agree that if you took the time to make a big giant crocodile because they made that big giant yeah. crocodile the last scene they got it I, on the truck and it was a real fucking thing I, use it a little bit more yeah but like i liked it it looked it looked cool oh. and i liked what we got from it oh and i'm not disagreeing with that at all i just but need- yeah i could use it a little more but just not to the point where it becomes the sequels sure you know sure. just just like maybe turn it up two notches not a full-on to 11 but i'm also comparing this to a film uh, the alligator mm-hmm. which i think we might see next year potentially <laughs> in the mouth of march madness which also features uh robert forster's greatest hairpiece and then again the it's no eating alive no of course so. not which yeah <laughs> it's it's got a lot to live up to you know no it like but ultimately i think because it's fun is one of those things why i will throw this on in the background mm-hmm. quite a bit but i wanted something a little bit more now it is going up against one that would you could definitely argue whether or not it's a creature feature however if you go back to what it technically is kind of a remake of, mm-hmm. or at least is calling upon as a universal monster. And it's creatures. I mean, the mummy is a creature, and, and he's got minions and shit. And he looks like a creature at mm-hmm. certain points in this film. But yeah, Stephen Summers, the mummy, which is a total... F- and this is going to be one of the rare like summer blockbusters yeah. that we'll ever really talk about on Nightmare Junkhead outside of Into the Mouth of March Madness. This was a big movie. And this also spawned a franchise as well. And a cartoon. It's And lunchboxes. So this was... 
This is a good rewatch as well. I well, this is also one of those that I I finally got rid of cable. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those that I kind of miss because whenever I wanted to watch it, I just have to turn on like TNT. It was always on. Or T, it became kind of another TBS staple as well yep. for like the new Shawshank, mm-hmm. a la the Beastmaster. Uh, but it's one of those that's kind of comfort food. But it's fun. This one ultimately is uh, so much fun. This one is crazy fun because it harkens back to those old school, not only just like those action adventures from the Universal Monsters, but from the Universal movies too. You have the handsome strapping hero who's kind of bumbling but lovable. And then you have the headstrong, smart like woman going on like this is what's going on and kind of figuring out but also bumbling in her own way. And then you have like all the levity. It's funny. This is a funny, funny movie. Both these movies are very funny. But I think this one, this movie is more action and more like family friendly, Mm -hmm. you know, because this is a family movie. It's PG-13. Both of them are PG-13. But like this one is like, let's go on an adventure, you know? Well, it's basically it takes uh, an Indiana Jones-esque mm-hmm. serial type approach. But I think because of the fun that it injects that the the little horrific elements they happen with like the Beatles. Yeah. Like those things are vicious. Just eating people. And he's going out getting and, people's human organs. Yes. He's ripping them out of the human body. And it's like, you know, he's going to get eyeballs. You know, he's taking them from you. Mm-hmm. Like when he's putting himself together, he ultimately is very scary. Yeah. And those are the elements that I'm focusing on for this because, again, we are a horror podcast mm-hmm. but also it this is what we could almost say like is transitional horror family yeah. friendly horror mm-hmm. where if you want gateway to, horror this is a gateway horror because flick. it can be very scary and it, but still light-hearted and adventure yeah and so. when you it, it, when you can cross those things together it makes the medicine go down a little bit easier mm-hmm. but unfortunately only one of these two creature features can move forward and we're going to again show our work here so genius mcgee between The Mummy and Lake Placid, which of the two are closer to your heart? I saw both these in the theater, but I think at the time I was more ready for The Mummy because I had more fun at The Mummy. And here's the thing I think both these movies are very family friendly, very family accessible, but I think The Mummy can capture the younger kids. Yeah. More so than Lake Placid, because Lake Placid, there's a lot of like, not adult situations, but there's like a lot of history lesson going on with alligator, with entomology, of course, and also the banter of them falling in love. And then while there's a lot of that in The Mummy, too, it's more like doing that while they're escaping a big wall of sand, which still looks pretty great. It still does. But here's the thing. Both CGI holds up really well. but yeah, it, I was really impressed with how well they're both like, like this is still really cool looking. So, but I think closer to the heart, I'm going to go with the mummy. I am also going to go with the mummy when it comes to closer to the heart. And the reason is based on the fact that I, like I said, it's one of those that you can, there's a reason mm-hmm. they have it, you know, you, you can, oh, it's um, trying to think of back when they go into PCU, when they're looking for it's Michael Caine and whoever they have in the shower scene. Hello, hello. Trying to prove that you can see it. All, it's always on at this yep. point, And there's a reason for that. Blame it on Rio. <laughs> Can't blame that on Rio. <laughs> but no, there's a reason that you see the mummy more than you do see Lake Placid. And that's because it does have so many elements. And it's one of those things that is becomes comfort food. So close to the heart, definitely the mummy. Now, when it comes to being a creature feature, mm-hmm. which of the two then would be a better representation that's hard man because there's both horror elements to what you have the mummy 
And then you have this big ass alligator. I think for a best representation of creature feature would be like Placid because it's the monster. He doesn't have magical powers. Right. Most creatures don't have can't summon like sand walls and, and tornadoes and twisters. But for a better representation of a creature feature, I gotta go like Placid. That that makes sense. I can I and I totally see that's a sound argument, and I will say ultimately the reason I'm going to choose the mummy mm-hmm. as a better creature feature is because number one, you get more creatures, you get more of it as a feature. True. And you get a better rep you get more creatures. You get you know, with, with Lake Placid you get one thing and we don't get enough of it. You get the scarabs and you get the undead soldiers. Absolutely. Yeah. More bang for the buck. And based on that, I I just have to go forward. I, I can't help it. Mm-hmm. And moving forward into the round of the Scream 16, and I guess making it extinct, uh, the mummy moving forward over Lake Placid. Who knows what's going to go watch, on with that there? Watch out for Judd. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and our last matchup, and this is the one that I think is going to generate some interesting conversation, but our bracket topic is weird, Wild Woods. Man, weird, oh, wild stuff. <laughs> yes. We'll get all Karnak here. <laughs> Which one will be moving forward? Uh, but we've got two interestingly different films, uh, two different subgenres, mm-hmm. genres in and of itself. We have the Blair Witch Project going up against Ravenous. Yes. Ooh, ooh. So which one do we tackle? Do we just go top to bottom? Let's go top to bottom. Ah, the Blair Witch Project. You first. So the Blair Witch Project. I mentioned it in the selection episode. I probably mention it any time this movie is mentioned. But the Blair Witch Project just happened to hit that perfect time right before the internet was to the point where it was kind of world really worldwide and we had a chance to figure out etiquette and a filter. Um, this was one of my all-time favorite theatrical experiences. Just the that communal experience, everyone losing their shit. I was so frightened. My knees hurt by the end of it. Um, not losing it, kind of understanding I can get through a found footage film, like all those things. I love this film. That being said, on a rewatch... I can definitely say that there's a reason I don't revisit it as often. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't mind the found footage, but it's one of those that I find I appreciate more than I like at this point. Yeah. Because it's it's chasing the dragon. Yeah. Trying to find that it's time that, again uh... of being that scared and replicating that experience. Because I'm not going to say it's diminishing returns, mm-hmm. but like I said, I appreciate it. More than I like it anymore. I think it, the Blair Witch is a blessing and a curse on itself. You know, I can see what you're saying. I totally respect this movie way more than I appreciate this movie, I guess you could say. Okay. Because, like, I remember seeing in the theater and I, I was scared, but then I was angry at the, like, what the fuck? You know, I need some sort of closure type thing because I wasn't ready for the found footage and things like that when right. I first saw it. <clears throat> but goddamn, if I didn't huff all fo- hook, line, and sinker for this is real, we're watching some real shit. Some people are dying, you know. But now upon, again, the nascent days of the internet, right? Because I was full on board. I was like, "Holy shit, let's go see some." T- this is gonna be faces of death, the movie, right? <laughs> and so, like, and so I remember seeing it, and not just being like, "Oh, this does not make me feel good," you know, just the whole because I wasn't ready for that. And like, upon rewatching it, 
I am not the biggest fan of found footage in the first place, sure. and I saw why. I especially now knowing that one, they weren't really dead. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. They. What does that say about you? You're like, oh, they weren't really slaughtered. This right. just takes no, so much just, away from it. It revealed the curtain. It took the magic back. I saw the wizard, and you yeah, know what I'm true, saying. True. And like, it just kind of took that bite out, and it's been overdone so much now. It's a parody upon itself. You know. Yeah. I mean, you have all sorts of parodies on it so when you have it that much and so in the subconscious it loses its punch you know just kind of like for when freddy becomes a joke i'm not saying this movie is a joke because this movie did fantastic things and scared a lot of people and like i said i was i was scared up into the point like why the fuck is he standing in the corner what the fuck's going on you know and then to find out more you know i'm like what the fuck i don't want to find out more i want to find out now you know so i that's i think that's why and looking back on it, I appreciate what it done for the horror genre mm-hmm. and the stories that it can tell. And more than I like the movie because I found myself wanting the characters to die. You know, well, you know, sometimes with a good movie, a good horror movie, that's the main goal. You know, but I think ultimately, see, and I, I just, I don't have the exact because ultimately, I know number one, you wouldn't find yourself in this scenario because you yourself would not be out in the wilderness of the woods, correct? Fuck no. Okay, Fuck so again, another reason maybe that would upset you, I can understand, is because, you know, you yourself, you're just like, I wouldn't, why am I even here at this right. point? Like, come on. Exactly. <laughs> Why'd you bring me along? You know? <laughs> well, like I said, I always, I guess, I'm not going to say I'm more empathetic, but I always put myself in the scenario, and again, just that feeling of isolation, because I've been out in the woods before, and not too often, but every time I've been out in the woods, it's never been necessarily a good thing. Mm-hmm. From, I'm always on the I'm unnerved by that. Oh and yeah. Even if I'm not necessarily seeking out and watching the Blair Witch a lot, I I get a, I just appreciate it more more than anything. And we're gonna get I'm gonna go into more depth and detail when we show our work on that one. But the other one that we're paired up against is one that we're pretty fresh with because mm-hmm. we refer you over to in fact actually just go back to last month we released it here as, as an episode on Nightmare Junkhead. But Antonio Birds Ravenous. Ravenous. I like this movie a lot. I remember liking it in the theater. You know, I think we were the only yeah. ones that oh, I think saw we it. were, actually. <laughs> we were the only ones that saw it. But I was like, this movie is weird and I like it, you know? And then not seeing it for a long, long time, because neither of these movies are on my rotation. Mm-hmm. Just appreciating this movie way more, knowing not necessarily the backstory, but right. you know the cast of characters, and more like, oh shit, this movie. Understanding it with older eyes, sure, you know, appreciating it more for a horror because I remember there wasn't a lot of dead bodies, you know, because back in the day, '99, I was like twenty. So I'm like, okay, let's see some carnage. And I didn't get what I wanted. So I was like, it was still cool. There's still a lot of blood. A lot right? of blood. But now looking back, I'm like, oh, that was, that's wise, good choices. And also, let's just say this. This is the other film that does contain one Jeffrey Jones. So we're kind of bookending, actually. <laughs> Diddler sandwich. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that's awful. That's awful. <laughs> but it's a, it's a rare sandwich as well, of course, to stay in tune with the movie. No, this is one, actually, like I said, was a fun initial rewatch as well, because we got to see it with a crowd, mm-hmm. which is something we didn't really get to see when we saw it in the <laughs> right, theater. Exactly. But it's also one I've, done, I've played at my house as part of a movie night as well, because I want to make sure people see it because i'm not a big fan of the cannibal genre mm-hmm. and you know it's funny like cannibal holocaust falls within almost like found footage sub 
genre right. as well. There's a weird connection between Blair Witch and Ravenous. It's weird. It, it, there's definitely some connective tissue yeah. there. Uh, tissue. Delicious, right? Yeah, delicious tissue. And But this is one that, for me, with Ravenous, plays better in when it's cold out. Yeah. This is one I'm not going to watch in the middle of July. But you no. could watch the Blair Witch in the middle of July because I think it pairs a little bit more with camping. Yes, which again something we would never do. Nope. Um, but the other thing that I really dig, not necessarily more because Blair Witch it is found footage, so there is no score. Yeah, there's no soundtrack. Um, Ravenous, however, gives us an incredibly weird and dissonant soundtrack that I've grown to love more and more every time I see it. Banjo, Benny Hill, chase music, but it works. It does work, you know. And like when like it's and it's not funny because they're gonna get killed and eaten, but and like okay, let's do this. If you added your mutant dogs in there, maybe from Invasion of the Body Snatcher, we'd have that same kind of scenario there. Banjo dog, fucking Robert Carlyle. <laughs> when those worlds cross yeah. it's, it's it's dangerous it's dangerous <laughs> but unfortunately only one can come out of the woods into the round of the scream 16 so between blair witch and ravenous which of the two genius are closer to your heart ah uh, my gut ha <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna say i had a better rewatch with ravenous so i'm gonna go with ravenous and like i say <laughs> i mean people there's people like oh rah, rah, but i appreciate what blair witch did you know i like i said i think it's just a curse on it now you know what i'm saying are you speaking of the curse of the, the, curse blair, of the witch blair witch that accompanied everything that made us buy into everything because it was on the internet yeah, it was well, real it had to be true there was police documents Whole websites. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. And for that very reason, I have to go with the Blair Witch when it comes to truly being closer to the heart. If we're talking yeah. about true nostalgia, the fact that I'm continuously trying to chase that dragon with my first viewing of the Blair Witch Project, it is such a memorable thing. I love Ravenous, but man, I still go back to that feeling of just pure fear of just being lost in the experience and that to me is what you wait why we go to the the movies why we go to horror movies to get yeah. lost in that for for me i gotta go with blair witch now that being said our bracket topic being wild woods the wild of the wilderness the wild wilderness so which of the two then is a better bracket representation for you genius mcgee hmm. <laughs> i think ravenous because here's why you can get cursed and haunted by a witch in like a lot of different areas die a lot of different places but the reason why the wendigo comes and gets you or makes you eat the human flesh is out of absolute dire necessity because you are lost in the wilderness nobody goes around like i'm gonna start eating but once you do then you have that insatiable appetite so i think for that reason you have to be lost in the wilderness to become get eaten by the Wendigo, <laughs> so I'm gonna go with Ravenous. Okay, that worry, and I this is a tough one for me because with the Blair Witch Project, like you said, the witch is kind of that character number one we never see, but she's right. definitely there. But also, she's tied into wilderness, and that's what witches are associated with 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 Mother Nature. And then with Ravenous, it's the the ravages of the woods and the Wendigo. Mm -hmm. And so both of you've got these supernatural forces that just so happen to cohabitate and are associated with that. Yeah. So for me, that's the biggest one that I'm having a trouble with mm -hmm. because I'm like, oh, of the two, it's like, which one is more scary, this and that. But ultimately, like you said, I've seen witches in other areas. 
you know, I'm sure there's a suburban witch out there that doesn't necessarily have to be in the in the confines of the woods. Soccer mom witches. <laughs> but truly, we always see that, you know, the we resort to cannibalism when we're stranded in the world, mm-hmm. in, in the wild, in the woods. And based on that, I'm going to have to also say ravenous. And holy smokes, taking a bite um. out of one of the most influential and hugely, like... I this is a this is an upset. I, I was gonna say I have a feeling somebody's like pissed off or they're like brackets I fucked up. I refuse to listen right? to your podcast You've been anymore. <laughs> I cast a spell. The Blair Witch will get you. <laughs> Next thing you know, we get like those little stick men and shit. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> That's very very possible. Well, oh my goodness. So. We into the round of the Scream 16. Congratulations. Uh, our next batch of matchups here. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Audition going up against the house on Haunted Hill. Mm-hmm. And then we will have The Mummy going up against Ravenous. Hmm. Some interesting wow. selection. Wow. You can't, wow. You can't get more like opposites on both those categories. That's it's, that's intense. That is intense. And I'm glad we have some very intelligent people coming on than our next episode here to help us argue and debate, which go from the round of the Scream 16, from the round then into the Hateful Eight, mm-hmm. then into the round of the Frightful Four. And I'll go ahead and let's go ahead and say it. We do all have uh, Adrian Torres mm-hmm. and Anya Stanley coming back. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun great conversation will be had uh who's going to move forward i gotta tune in to next friday to find out so until that time this is greg d i'm genius mcgee and we will see you in your dreams